You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that one day will be considered classics. And today might be one of those days. It's, uh... Can't say with 100% certainty. I'm not as sure as I have been on these episodes, but but this one might be one of those. Today we are going to talk about a movie from Netflix animation called The Sea Beast. This movie is directed by Chris Williams, who previously directed Big Hero 6 and co-directed Moana. This is a movie sort of with a pirate aesthetic... Um, starring Carl Urban and Jared Harris, among others. And uh, it's, well, you'll get to hear our thoughts on it, about whether or not it's uh, pretty good. So, with The Sea Beast, uh, we are pretty light on spoilers. We try not to spoil anything, and like, you know, we don't get into too big of plot spoilers, but there are a couple of pl- a couple of points where it's a little questionable, so just in case, uh, know that going in. I think I do catch myself before I give like a really big spoiler, um, so I do put a spoiler warning when it, you know, comes up, but I think we were a little less careful with spoilers on this one than maybe we should have been, so uh, do keep that in mind going in. But if you have not seen this movie yet, and you are considering maybe seeing it, you know, it's about two hours, and it's probably worth taking a look at before you listen to our review. So with that, here is going to be a little bit of music from The Sea Beast. listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Netflix movies occasionally. Uh, A little less so currently since movies are back in theaters, but uh, right when we went on to, right when we started on Spotify, the beginning of what I called season uh, two, I think at the time, um, it was like, there's a lot of Netflix movies. We did like the Spike Lee uh, Netflix movie, um, did we do extraction or did we just like talk? No, I think we just talked about that in, uh, in a best of the year. I can't anyway. I'm honestly, I have a really bad memory with all of our episodes. I, <laughs> I, I, I never remember. I remember you always like reference an episode we did before and I'll be like, yeah, I don't remember. I my I think my memory is just better with those things than it should be. I'm like constantly revisiting them and, mm-hmm. um, 
I mean, there's certainly no obligation to do that. I like the sound of my own voice too much. That's really, that's something I've never heard someone say. It's it's also not true. Like, I actually hate the sound of my own voice, but like, I do listen to all of our episodes before they go up. So I've gotten more used to it. Like, I, I don't cringe immediately at the sound of my own voice now okay cool yeah that that is true yeah i've I've gotten used to it more but still feels a little weird Mm. even after what two years three years of episodes two and a half well two when did we start when was uh when was glass 2019 yeah like january damn three years of episodes three yeah 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 wow um today we are i guess reviewing something i was actually really surprised when you suggested this because it was really cool because this movie i had no interest in watching but my mom was just like and my mom never watches animated movies but she's like i want to watch this i was like oh okay i was like kind of like eh but um turned out to be quite uh quite the movie yeah this one just kind of kind of came out of nowhere like i remember um, the first time I saw it on Netflix, I'm like, oh, shit, this animation looks really, really good. What is this? Why isn't this in theaters? Maybe it was somewhere, but we're talking about the Sea Beast, by the way, if we didn't mention that already. Yes. Uh, starring Carl Urban, which I yeah. was pleasantly surprised with, too. I've never, I have loved Carl Urban and I think everything I've ever seen him in, so. Uh, I and this is not agree, an exclusion, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I'm I'm a little shocked by how how long he's been acting versus how few lead roles he's gotten. Cause like he's he was in Lord of the Rings. He's been in movies for over twenty years, and like he's most well known for the boys, which is fair. He's awesome in the boys, but like that's from the last three years. Yeah, it is unfortunate. I actually I loved him in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really wish he got a bigger role, like in the future, and he didn't. They didn't kill him off there because because his role was actually like a really bad role in terms of like he was basically an exposition device for Hella. Yeah, um, but he made it like a very fun exposition device. I mean, I hate arc. to say this. I hate to say this about Kate Blanchett, but like I remember him better than than Hella. Yeah, in like, that yeah, movie, I would agree. Um. And then also he was he was in the Star Trek franchise, which I think that whole franchise just kind of has a bad rap now for some reason. Like it never it's, really took off, if that makes sense. In my it's opinion. uneven. Like I don't think it. I don't know the 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 whole Star Trek franchise. I think it's uneven, but like the performances are good. I like all of the people in those roles. I think that sometimes the story is a bit all over the place. But that's at least partially because that franchise is headed by J.J. Abrams, who I think just makes things all over the place and doesn't think about why that might be a bad idea. Yeah, it's it's kind of okay. This is like a really weird tangent, but I just want to say, like, I remember hearing people be like, "Oh, Star Trek! The first Star Trek was like really, really good. I can see why they picked him to direct Star Wars." And I watched the first Star Trek. It's it's like good, but there's like nothing amazing about it. Like it wasn't. It definitely I mean, wasn't like like a, a an amazing blockbuster that I I would definitely be like this guy needs to direct Star Wars. 
So, like, uh, I, I really hope that uh, one of our friends, Matthew Simpson, will listen to this episode and chime in because uh, a popular, con- like, not controversy, a popular, like, opinion that I've heard that I think I kind of agree with is that the first Star Trek movie or, like, the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie is, like, a pretty horrible Star Trek movie, but a, like, okay Star Wars movie. Because it's, like, a big action movie. It paints Kirk in a way that's not incorrect. It's just, like, he's way more action hero than Kirk actually is. And, like, you know, you got big battles in space. None of those things are things that don't happen in Star Trek, they're just kind of not the point of that series. Yeah. Um, but then, he, I mean, I get it, because, you know, he was trying to adapt it for a, a wider audience and make it popular again. Yeah. And but also, like, he didn't do a good job of it. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't dislike those movies. I think the third one is really good, and I think the first two are, again, uneven, but I don't hate them. Yeah. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, J.J. Abrams aside, Carl yeah. Urban was in those movies. He was. Yes. Um, and he is also in this movie. Uh, as, uh, what's his name? Jacob Holland. Jacob. Jacob Holland. Uh, not, no relation to Tom Holland. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess not, because Jacob Holland's a fictional character, so. Yeah, that's true. I actually think Tom, okay, this is going to sound weird, but I'm pretty sure Tom Holland's brother's name is actually Jacob, though. Because I know oh, he has shit, a brother. Actually? Yeah, I might just be completely like talking out of my ass, though. Um, anyways, uh, do you want to tell us a bit about the movie? Um, I do want to tell us a bit about the movie. So, Perfect. in the Sea Beast, uh, the Sea Beast is about um, it's about like a group of beast hunters. Basically, they hunt sea monsters, uh, and they're called hunters. Um, they they go around. They have sort of a pirate aesthetic. And they hunt sea monsters for the local kingdom. I don't know if the kingdom has a name, but they hunt sea monsters for the kingdom and bring them back for a bounty. And that's basically their job. They exist to protect the kingdom from sea monsters by going out and hunting all the sea monsters. And the the leader of the hunters is Captain Crow, played by Jared Harris, who is sort of a Captain Ahab type figure. He's got um, he's got this one, he's, his white whale, as, as it were, is this giant red sea monster called, uh, the, gosh, what is it called? The Bluster. The Red Bluster. The Red Bluster, yeah. And it's this huge sea monster that no one's ever been able to kill. And it's like, it's basically considered by everyone to be, at the very least, the most powerful sea monster. The most dangerous sea monster. And the king and queen really want that thing dead. Uh, we only ever see it out at sea. And eventually, like, Captain Crow finds it. And they try and, fi- and, they try and fight it off. But it gets away. And this happens multiple times. So, like, Captain Crow is going, is getting more and more angry that he's got to kill this thing. And he's convinced that, like, I'm going to kill the Red Bluster, and then that's going to be it. I'm going to be done. I can retire happy if I can just kill this Red Bluster. Yeah. Um, So that's sort of the background. His second-in-command, 
his uh, his first mate is technically Sarah Sharp, who is not Carl Urban, but basically his second in command. The the best hunter on his ship is played by Carl Urban. He's a guy named Jacob Holland, and he is uh, he was found as a young boy and became a hunter on this ship and then um, sort of just devoted his life to hunting. And he's been essentially uh, crowned the captain to be by Captain Crow, just that they got to kill this red bluster first. And uh, at a key moment after they, uh, after they go out and are almost and are, and the red bluster gets away he go. He gets blown out to sea with a stowaway on board named Maisie Brumble, and they are eaten by the Red Bluster in sort of a Pinocchio situation, where where that Red Bluster spits them out on an island, and they have to like rely on the Sea Beast. Well, it's like it's not it's not quite Pinocchio, but it is sort of what happens in Pinocchio, right? Because does... Pinocchio gets eaten by Monstro, but like not really. I've actually never seen Pinocchio. Oh yeah, in um, in Pinocchio, there's a giant uh, a giant fish or whale, depending on the version of the story, that eats Pinocchio and Geppetto, and um, it doesn't digest them. They just get to like hang out inside Monstro, and then they're, you know, eventually gonna die in there unless they get unless they get free. And that's kind of what happens in this, except that like, unlike Monstro, um, it seems that the Red Bluster has no immediate plans to kill them. Yeah, I, well, I guess it was. Well, I was thinking, what, what's that? Is Pinocchio the only tale where a whale like eats eats someone? Or what's I that? mean, there's also Jonah in the Bible. Yeah, okay, I was thinking about Jonah. That's a Bible story. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, that. it's a. I think I think Jonah is like a full book of the Bible. Oh well, that's interesting. Um, yeah. So, uh, don't uh, that. I guess that's basically the plot um and uh what what did you think of it i really liked it um it wasn't perfect i thought that like it's uh i think i thought i had a good message and it was very blunt about that message which i didn't mind too much but like it does make it at least morally a bit of a surface level movie (laughs) and so i guess it could have been a little better in that respect but i really liked the performances I liked the world. I liked the aesthetics of this movie a lot. Like it's beautiful. And um, yeah, in general, I don't know. It wasn't like a five star movie, but there's very little specifically that I would complain about that would, that's anywhere close to ruining the movie for me, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's kind of like a, a movie where I was like, it wasn't amazing, but I was—I guess I was pleasantly surprised by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not gonna lie; I going into movies that aren't animated, even like DreamWorks movies, like I'm still kind of iffy on. But I rarely watch Sony Sony Pictures. Um, I think I've only seen like like Spider Man and like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Um, and- I remember liking Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, but for some reason it hasn't really stuck with me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to think of other Sony movies I've seen. I mean, there's Mitchell's versus the Machines, which is I heard that was good even, too. It was it was good, but it was even more on. 
I think it was even more on the nose with its messaging than this movie was. It was maybe a little more nuanced, but like it was really cringy in so many parts. Um. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Was that was 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 that your pick for a best animated picture last year? God, no. Remember. <laughs> no, okay. definitely was wasn't. Um, from from last year, I'd have to double check. I think. Oh man, my like the actual one that I wanted to win last year was Summit of the Gods, but that like uh, that wasn't nominated. Personally, I think my pick for best animated feature last year would have been Raya and the Last Dragon. Oh, okay. Um, but then there's also Flea, which was really good. Flea, I haven't heard of that one. I didn't really like Raya, though. No offense. No, that's fair. Raya, right? I'll, I'll, I, I think yeah, yeah. like I don't think we talked about like a full episode, but it's come up, and like oh, okay. I, I get it. Raya, a lot of people didn't like Raya. That's yeah. fair. Um, but yeah, no, I. Like there were there were things about this that like felt a little cliche. Like you kind of, for the most part, tell where, tell where it was gonna go after like the first 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I like I thought um, something I really liked was like especially like the villain I thought was really really well done mm-hmm. um, for the amount of time they had like. Especially uh, considering what I really liked about this villain is that for most of the movie, he's not really a villain. And then even when he kind of becomes the villain, still not really. Like, he's like an even better Long John Silver from Treasure Planet. Yeah. It's like, and it's also like, because he's, he's like the cat, he's a good guy at first. Yeah. Um, But like, his twist to an evil person is in no way like, unbelievable or abrupt or out of character like you could feel that inside his character from the start Mm -hmm. um but yeah but you never like you hate him but you also don't so i thought that was like really really well done yeah um and i especially i mean the only thing that made this movie work was uh, obviously the relationship between macy and john or no jacob Jacob. (laughs) and uh (laughs) um you know, I think that was really like it. Kind of like made me. Okay, this is this is kind of mean, but I'm. It made me think about uh, the like Doctor Strange, and like this is like because you had that they had the mentor mentee. I don't know how to say it, relationship between Doctor Strange and America. Mm-hmm. Um, this is that relationship actually done well, in my opinion. Like this is what that movie missed um <clears throat> and that's why this movie was really good mm-hmm. in my opinion because they really really nailed that relationship between them and i thought there was like a lot of like really sweet moments and like but it wasn't all just like you know lovey-dovey stuff like they, they had some like very interesting like i guess i almost want to say like political conflicts well, between them like in that like that's politics in that world you know it's like yeah do we kill the beast you know are they good people well and actually like on that note of this being political at least in universe i think the message of this movie is really cool especially because it's one i don't think i've seen in a lot of kids movies because like the message of this movie is twofold. One of them is uh, they just, they literally keep repeating it, which is why it comes across a little clunky. 
but the one of the main messages of this movie is you can be a hero and still be wrong. And then the other message of this movie is that like the history that's written down, um, if that lasts forever, but it's not necessarily objective, which I think is like a crazy message for a movie aimed at kids. Not like, not a bad message, just one that I don't think I've ever seen in a movie aimed at kids. It's such a cool message. Yeah, I, it, it was, well, I, okay, going back to the first one, I thought it was surprisingly, like, well, I don't want to, I, like, I kind of wish there was more to the whole, like, like, uh, actually, no, wait, never mind. The Heroes one, sorry. Yeah, uh, the yeah. Heroes one, I actually really like, because I think it, it kind of reflects too in like the movie industry where I think there's a lot of times when you can really like someone's work um, mm-hmm. and have it inspire you. Yet that person is also like not a good person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I kind of like, I guess how that, how the movie reflects on that. Like it was a different time. People were behaving in a, in a way that reflected that time. And they did heroic acts, even though like it, it's not unlike an heroism isn't like an objective truth, I guess. Yeah. And I like how they touch on that, mm-hmm. which was nice. Um, but yeah, it, it was surprisingly mature for a kid's movie, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really did feel like there, there was a couple parts where I was like, this is very like the whole, I think the very big speech at the end was like a little too on the nose. Well, um, yeah, I, th- I think that's this movie's biggest flaw is it has it has these two points that the filmmakers themselves are convinced are really cool and they want to tell those points. And like, you know, they don't do it the most effective ways. They literally have one of the characters give us give an inspiring speech, but it's like kind of out of nowhere. It just exists kind of as a soapbox for the filmmakers, which like not the worst thing in the world, but that one, that scene might've needed a couple more minutes in the oven. Yeah. I, th- I think the entire, like not third act, but maybe the second half of the third act um, could have used a little tweaking. It's like they ran mm-hmm. out of budget or something. I was surprised. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> I think I, it reminded okay, I keep referencing Marvel stuff, but this reminded me of like Falcon and the winter soldier. Where I, I know a lot of people hate Falcon's speech at the end. Um, which is like it's like a ten minute speech or something about how politics are like bad or something, um, and it kind of felt the same way here. Where I'm like, there's like two parts of the speech. Like in this one, there's like the first part. I was like, okay, like that was sweet, and then the girl's like, I'm not done yet. I was like, no, I I think you should be done. <laughs> like I think you've said <laughs> enough. Um, <clears throat> but like I get, I get like I think maybe that maybe that is more effective in a more effective way of getting the message across to kids. Maybe like that was their thinking. Um, maybe, but I, I think there could have been a much more interesting way of showing like change in the city rather than it, it's still It's, it's still like hurts my, the credibility to have like a seven year old give a speech for like five minutes and not, you know, it, it, it was, yeah, it was a little much. Yeah. For me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they could have shown in a way of like maybe a montage of how of how they started living in that town together and slowly like made people not fear 
the monsters, if that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe well, I mean, like, or something. I mean, like, uh, Jacob Holland breaking the near the end. Jacob, oh man, I guess that's spoilers at this point. Uh, um, I mean, I think you could probably predict. I mean, happened. okay, so like, it's not a surprise, but I'm gonna put a spoiler warning here at the uh, just in case you've made it this far. At the end, Jacob Holland, you know, he proclaims loudly in front of the sea beast. He says, no more monster hunting. And then he breaks a spear over his knee, which is actually a really, really cool character moment for him because it parallels an earlier time when he tried to do the same thing and it didn't work. Uh, But anyway, that's like a great mic drop moment. Like, this is where we can stop. We're done. You've made your point. Excellent. Uh, Maisie afterwards giving her speech, you know, I think it's also important to say the other message of the movie, but maybe those could have come in a different order. Yeah. Or just done more subtly. I don't know. It's or uh, done more subtly. Yes. Like I, I think it's actually amazing how efficient that breaking the spear line thing is, you know, cause like literally in universe, it's supposed to explain everything to the monster. Yeah. You know, and it was enough to explain to the audience too. So they could have honestly stuck with that for the most part. Yeah. Um, because that worked pretty well but uh and i but i also that moment was really good like i remember thinking the first time i saw it i was like oh come on like this feels like a dramatic moment that's being thrown away just for like like some laughs uh Mm. but it's actually even better in hindsight because he wasn't actually done with monster hunting or his mind hadn't been completely convinced at the time so it's kind of symbolic of that and the doubt he had still. Um, mm-hmm. And it made that last moment so much better. So, yeah, I, I really like that. Um, the only other thing I'd say about the third act was the... I think the ending was very rushed. We don't really see, like, where these characters are after the movie. Um, and, yeah. Or, like, the changes they've made in their lives. We just We see them, they're alive, and they're living together. And that's kind of it. Um, and I think because, that, that uh, oh no, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say quickly because the movie doesn't. Up until the speech, we are assuming that the girl is gonna go back to the orphanage. I mean, we never assume that because we know the way the plot's gonna go, right? But it would have right. been like there was no explanation of like, like where do they live? What 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 is she? What is he doing now? Like he's not a monster hunter. Like what is his life now? Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, but that's that's like. That's it. And actually, like, a, an epilogue like that would have been, I think, more effective than a five-minute speech, like, explaining that second half of, like, explaining what happens now. Yeah. Like, I think it would have been really sweet. Like, I, I think I mentioned earlier just to, like, show maybe Jacob opens, like, a monster hunt, like, not hunting, monster-friendly school or something like that where people yeah. can learn about the monsters. Uh, something like that, yeah. Or like know. Maisie literally writes a book about history or something. If you want to be even less subtle, but like, yeah, you like, know. <laughs> like that would work too. I don't know. Um, mm. But sorry, I, I'm complaining too much about it's. It's a really good movie. No, yeah, I think that this is th- this is really good. It's clunky in parts, and like, I think it's okay to acknowledge that. But I generally really liked it, and I would absolutely recommend it.
Yeah, same. Uh, one other thing I remember you mentioning was like the aesthetic. The yes, movie, or the animation. This movie looks so nice. Yeah, I I remember thinking like like the monsters looked a little clunky and like not animated enough, but I actually think it added a lot to the appeal of it, like the simpleness mm-hmm. of the design. Um, and also that cute, the, who is Blue? I love Blue. Blue. Yeah. Blue is so cute. And I liked how they didn't just make him like the animal sidekick, you know? Mm-hmm. He wasn't like, he wasn't really like another comedic character. He was just there to be cute. Yeah. Um, and he didn't, he wasn't given like, I don't know. I, I noticed that in Pixar movies, we'll have like the animal sidekick. Whenever like they're like, hmm, how do we make this scene interesting? They'll have the animal do something stupid or funny. They they um, actually did have the animal sidekick in this do be important in one scene, but I don't think it was like in a way that intruded on anything. Yeah, it was like, like a wholesome scene, and it wasn't like yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Um. Yeah, I think I I remember also being a little bit bothered by the Sea Beast design initially because I think it's it's very smooth. And I'm like, this is there's like nothing to this beast. It's just a red blob. But like the more that I kind of got endeared to it over the course of the over the course of the movie, like it didn't have to be a super intricate design. I think that it worked like if you think about one of the main inspirations for this movie which is clearly moby dick like this movie has very little in common with moby dick but aesthetically it is exactly moby dick and like moby dick is just a big white whale like there's nothing intricate to that design and i think that like the sea beast being just a big red blob is you know works as well like it works as well as that does well, yeah, I, I think the main reason it worked is because also, like, they made it an interesting character, I guess, which yeah, I was surprised exactly. by. Like, <clears throat> they made it a, a, something I was, like, interested in uh, in watching, um, which yeah, I was not expecting. Yeah, and also what I, what I really appreciated in this is, now, I don't know if this is actually true, but it's my perception when I'm watching movies like this, like How to Train Your Dragon, like the How to Train Your Dragon series. Um a lot of times the monster in that is like, you know, it's, it's like a cat or, or, well, not actually, but like in terms of, in terms of personality, it's like a cat or it's a child or it's something that's like super playful. And um, that can work for a series that works plenty well. Like that worked for Lilo and Stitch that worked for how to train your dragon that worked for, I guess anything that director did. Cause that's the same director that I just said two movies of, but like, I really liked how in this movie that wasn't the case. Like this ancient sea dragon wasn't just a, you know, wasn't, wasn't a fun child that wanted to have fun. Like this was also a hardened war veteran, but like not in a way that, not in a way that didn't, that that made that like one dimensional either. This, she was, she was a good character and also not just a child. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I think she was actually like I, I think it's very rare for me to like love love those types of characters. If that make like I don't know, like sometimes it feels too like try hard, you know, like mm. oh look at look at her, she's like, like 
she's like an adult basically you know well um yeah i think like the thing that the thing that i really liked is when in in other movies when they're trying to endear you to the monster they'll have the monster do something cute the red red in this never did anything cute just because it would be cute like oh yeah he he was just kind of doing things yeah um and he was still violent too like <laughs> like oh, the there was a had an inner life for sure. Yeah, there it wasn't like he was a complete lovey-dovey guy. He there's that one scene where he tears apart that that monarch ship um or not monarch, sorry, it's not the monarch. It's uh, just the, the royal imperator. ship. Yeah. The imperator. Um and it's a very like I'm pretty sure he murdered many many people. In oh that yeah. Scene. Even though it's not shown on screen. Uh, so, yeah, he, he is quite the beast still. I can understand. Like, he wasn't, like, Disney-fied or whatever. Like, he was definitely well, still a threat. Near the end, when they bring the monster into the city, I'm like, okay, so I get it. The next thing that has to happen is there has to be some twist where the monster, where, like, the monster is good, actually. But you have just brought an extremely dangerous creature into the capital city. Yeah, it's like, it's still a problem. <laughs> I remember yeah. thinking it was kind of funny where he gets up and then he falls asleep. And then that, like, he just, he collapses, like a building collapses because he, like, spreads his arm or something. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, 20 people probably die <laughs> because yeah. they were just being like, I want to see the monster. Um, which I guess isn't technically the monster's fault, but also, like, yeah, anyways. Yeah. I, I felt bad for those people in that building. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, um, I don't know, though, like, I, I think this was, like, a, a good, I honestly, I like this more than Moana, um, and, uh, and Big Hero 6. I think those are both movies, like, I think they both, those, both those movies had more potential, but they don't deliver. Where this movie felt like a movie that I, it, it's a story that's been told before. We've seen this type of thing before, but it was just done really well, um, and it had a lot of heart in it. I felt. Uh, uh, just in case, I don't think we mentioned it. Just in case, like someone is listening to this and isn't sure why you brought up specifically Big Hero Six and Moana, those are the other two movies that this director has done. Oh yeah, I guess we never. Yeah, we were going to talk about Chris Williams. Yeah, I just realized that. Yeah. (laughs) Chris Williams directed, yeah. uh, And I guess he's he's, he's been been with Disney for a while, right? He's like a Disney lifer. This is his first non-Disney movie. Yeah. And it's quite... Like, I don't know. I'm always scared for directors that kind of leave that environment. Because I feel like Pixar just has a very... Or Disney... Well, Disney and Pixar now have a very, like... Uh, nuanced, like their whole thing is, um, very like in-house. Yeah, and um, like well, connected, yeah, because... and w- leaving that environment and doing it by himself is like a completely different thing. And I think a lot of directors, like if you look at Brad Bird, for example, he. He went to uh, work with, uh, by himself on what Mission Impossible was good, but then there was Tomorrowland, and without well, the Tomorrowland Pixar environment, was also Disney. Well, no, it was but Disney, it was like, but it wasn't Pixar, Disney Studios, yeah. right? 
and without that environment um it, it doesn't work as well and uh mm -hmm. that could have happened here but it seems like he had a good he had a good network going on yeah yeah i just talked i i actually just heard an interview with him today where he was saying i mean because he was talking about the fact he was hired for mulan in 1998 and if you look at his if you look at his like filmography on Wikipedia, it's been probably half of all the Disney movies that have come out since then that weren't Pixar. And like, it's not that he's been like necessarily in a huge role on every single one of those, but he's been involved. So Disney like definitely is an environment where if you're in Disney, you're working on all their stuff and you're, and probably he's getting more and more respected every single time. But like, then he just sort of leaves after Ryan and the last dragon, which yeah. is, which is interesting. But he's talking about him. that on the radio today. <laughs> he was like, there's act. He, he was saying like, uh, there's actually nothing wrong with being just like an in-house Disney guy just forever. Cause he said they had a very good environment, you know, a who, a who am I to not believe him? But he also said that like, he didn't want that. He only wanted to remain in Disney if it was his choice. And like at a certain point, he wasn't choosing to be with Disney anymore. So he took a good offer that came and that offer led him to Netflix for the CDs. Yeah. And I'm, I'm glad it worked out. I hope that we see more from him. Cause like, you know, I think, you know, we, we can nitpick this. Like we have nitpicked this movie a little bit, but generally speaking, it's pretty good. And so I'm excited to see what he will do next. I know that, like, personally, I remember Big Hero 6. I didn't like that one very much at all. Yeah, that was weird. I, I just felt like that was a movie that had so much that I liked, yet none of it really stuck to me. Um, For me, I in just Big didn't Hero like... 6, there's, like, the villain is done really poorly in Big Hero 6, in my opinion. Just at the very end, it's like, no, I was the villain this whole time. And it's done as like a twist that I'm not going to say you couldn't see it coming, but it wasn't really telegraphed. And it's almost a completely separate story from what we've been talking about that whole movie that like it just kind of does. It definitely doesn't hit for me. Yeah. There's um, it was, it was just full of cliche characters, I guess. That too. So that's how it is, but. I don't know. I yeah. I hope he does more in the future. I wouldn't mind. Um, I mean, <laughs> this is uh, this is we were supposed to talk about this too, but there's nothing. We have nothing in the pirate genre in general. Um, this wasn't technically a pirate movie, but obviously it carried the pirate aesthetic. Completely. And actually, I really like the way that it carried the pirate aesthetic because the heroes in this movie are aesthetically pirates. But in universe, they're not called pirates. They don't follow, like, they don't act like pirates in the real world. They're just, like, rough-and-tumble sea people. Yeah, like, they're not and, They're not murdering slash looting like, boats and stuff. Yeah. They're, they're on a, a, well, what is conceived as a heroic mission to protect the oceans from, from trade ships. Or from, yeah. from monsters for trade ships. And I mean, Basically. like, they're, they're not employed, so they're not, like, specifically employed by the kingdom. They are mercenaries. They're, so, like, they get a bounty from the kingdom all the time, but, like, they're not, 
So they're they're like not quite the same thing as they're not the navy, but they're also not traditional pirates. And I think what you were saying earlier, uh, I really liked something you said before we started recording, which is um, because they're not technically pirates and they're not called pirates, they don't have to abide by a pirate code in order for us to think they're good people. Like in Pirates of the Caribbean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the best example, but there's always like a pirate code. Pirates are fundamentally honorable. They're just outside the law. And it's like, well... They do actually have a code in this, but like they don't have to take the name outlaws and then say, oh, but we're the good ones. They're just, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was kind of like, I mean, pirates were never good in Pirates of the Caribbean, but it for me, it was sometimes hard to ignore the fact that we like they kind of became rather than pirates, they were like the rebellion from Star Wars, Um, but it felt a little weird, like especially knowing what we know about pirates. Well, Um, and also like when they introduce Barbosa in the first one, it's like, you know, later on down the road, why do we like Barbosa? Like, why are we supposed to like Barbosa when he is introduced as a murderer and a bad person? Yeah. It's like, sure. He can have a redemption arc, but we can't just be like, Oh no, fundamentally he's a good person. He just likes gold a lot. It's like, well, I mean, he is a criminal in every respect. Yeah. The things that he, the worst things he's done, are not safe for a Disney movie. Yeah. Well, I, okay. There's a couple. Like I remember, like in Pirates Four, I was kind of. It was really weird to see him become like, uh, I don't know what it was like, captain for the crown, but like he was working for the, the monarchy. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that was weird, but then also there was that scene where his ships being killed by the mermaids and he has like a bunch of like a bunch of people on his ship were were dying and he just like did not care at all um which kind of was in character i guess but i i see what you mean yeah the but it's also weird that that's in character and yet the movies try to endear us to you know yeah. him being a good guy and then that happens and it's like whoa you're not a good guy and it's like of course not he's a pirate he's a pirate yeah he's murdered many people <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah like this this didn't try to like I, I i don't like the idea of endearing pirates more um but like this did it well of yeah using that aesthetic and making mm-hmm. it something new which was nice yeah and family friendly well other than they still murdered a bunch of i was actually it was surprisingly violent too like it was people were murdered in this movie and it's not graphic or anything but you do see it happen I mean, there is one very small shot of some blood that, like, is used... It's used extremely sparingly, but there's one shot where one character has, like, some blood on his hand, and it looks pretty grotesque, in my opinion, for a a kid's movie depiction of blood. Like, it's very real-looking blood. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's something... um, Like, that's why I have trouble watching anime sometimes is that like when you when i see blood in like any animated like feature it just it makes my brain dislike it way more just because i'm like this is supposed to be for kids like it's like my it's tricking my brain i don't know Mm -hmm. so yeah anyway do you got anything else you want to say about the sea beast um not really no 
All right. Well, what would you what would you give this movie overall? I'd say it's like a solid like seven. Nice. I think I would give it like a strong six. I think it's really good. Um, obviously, I think it could be better, but like a, a a good six is a good movie. Like it's it's not that's that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah. And uh, um, I enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I would definitely recommend this movie, especially like if someone that's listening to this has kids. Like this is a great movie to watch with your kids because it's got a really cool message that I haven't seen in most other movies, uh, and it's, it's it's a good movie anyway. Like I, I I assume your kids will also appreciate it because kids appreciate high art. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, what what movie are we doing next week? I'm I think I'm it's pretty nope. sure we're gonna try and do Nope next week. Yeah, it's actually next week's kind of wait. No, it's just Nope. Nope. The Gray Man. I think there was something else too, but I can't remember. Um. Even though the maybe. Gray Man got really bad reviews, and I'm very disappointed, I guess. But yeah. Well, I think at that, I think with you saying that, we have to do the Gray Man at some point now because <laughs> I want to. We, yeah. We we gotta we gotta decide whether or not it's good. I feel like I gotta I gotta see just what the Russo brothers are doing wrong this time. And also, like I I'm I'm pretty sure the Gray Man is intended, or at least intended, to be the start of what could be a series. And like, uh, yeah, I don't know be, if that's that gonna cool. happen. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but Any like, I'd like for... to see if that seems reasonable. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, Pierre, what's the last word? Beast. <laughs>